And we know God's got something good for you today. You come expecting. That's what I'm talking about, man. We let the wild hogs eat around here. <laughs> You're wondering, is this, a hick, is this a hick church? No, that's just a saying we throw out once in a while. And I'll just kind of fill you in. So if you're kind of wondering, like, this is my first time. I've been here a few times. You know, we had a friend that came from the south, and they were up here. And we were talking about, you know, some of the things that you hear while you're preaching and ministering. And, you know, preach that, or that's delicious, or that's good. Well, this guy said, man, this is one of the best ones that I've gotten. And it said, let the wild hogs eat. And he was in Arkansas when he heard this. So, makes sense. Right? And I just, man, that's awesome. And so, however you want to eat this morning, just get your knife and fork out. We know that God's doing something good in the kitchen today for us. And so, we'll get right into the Word this morning. And Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you so much that you came to indwell us, to live mighty and strong in us. So, you've taken the victim out of our vocabulary, and you've made us victorious in Christ Jesus. We are so thankful that, Jesus, you came you died and you rose again in triumphant victory over darkness and over all sin and everything the devil tried to throw our way. And we worship you today for that. And we open our hearts to you today that your word has place in our hearts that you may speak and you may say what you need to say in Jesus' name. Why don't you say this with me? I have ears to hear. I have eyes to see. A heart that understands. And a mind that is open to the word of God. Amen. So like Holy Spirit, a lot of times you've got to change our theology. We're open to that. We're open for change. It's his good change. So in our Bibles, I want to just lift off. Anybody know where I'm going to start today? Oh, good try. Nice try. Nice try. First John chapter five. Oh man, you read that one for like the fifth time. Yeah, until we get it. Have you think of we eaten everything that's in this passage yet? No, there's so much more yet to be uncovered. And what I love about God, it's just more and more revelation comes. I mean, every week there's been something, oh, ah, something new I haven't seen before. That's what I'm expecting for us today. So again, it says in the word of God, this is the spirit of God speaking through the apostle John. And he says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is, not will be one day. He is right now God's spiritual child, and he has been fathered by God himself And everyone who loves Father God loves his children as well. Can you see me? You guys can brighten me up a little bit. I I can't see. Verse 2. It also says this. This is how we can be sure that we love the children of God by having a passionate love for God and by obedience to his commands. So true love for God means this. Saying, I love God. God. No, that Thanks for that. Man, you guys are ready. That's good. But true love for God, does it mean just mean I say I love God? No, I prove it by obeying his commands. That's how I prove my love for God. And his commands or his word isn't weigh us, doesn't weigh us down as heavy burdens. Verse 4, it says, you see, every child of God overcomes this world. Right here is proof of who you are. So how do you become a child of God? Accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There is no other way. Jesus said this in John 14, 6. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he is the only way to God, Jehovah, the real God. And it says now, every child of God overcomes this world. So if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now you've been branded a certain way. What are you branded as? In the eyes of God, he sees you as a world overcomer. Whatever the world tries to throw at you, God says, you're above that. I've made you more than a conqueror and overcomer in that. Then he says now, here's the thing, our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. So you are a world overcomer. You may say, I'm not really overcoming in areas of my life. That doesn't change the fact of who you are. What you need to take the time to do is learn the tool of how the overcomers operate by, which is our faith. We see over and over in the word of God that the just, you know, the just, that's us, those that have been declared righteous. You see that Habakkuk 2 verse 4, Galatians 3.11, Hebrews 10.38. You see the same phrase that the just shall live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says that we walk by faith, not by sight. So this is a lifestyle that we live in. So what we're doing is we're taking the time to learn this overcoming lifestyle because that's who you are. 
you got born again or recreated on the inside. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you did that by grace of God, through faith, you became born again. Now, the same way you came into the kingdom of God is the same way that you operate and you live in the kingdom of God. All by grace, through faith. Say that with me. By grace. What's grace? Grace is God's unmerited favor, his goodness, his kindness, that lavish over you continuously. Everything comes by grace, but I tap into that grace by faith. I believe I receive, and I don't need any physical evidence to prove that it's real. I believe it before I even have to see it, naturally speaking. Okay, and that's the victorious power that triumphs over the world. And again in verse 5, so who are the world conquerors defeating It's power, those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, I want to just reiterate something I said last week. You know, the Message Bible says it like this, that the conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. So the world, it's got certain things it wants to tell you. The world is out there telling us that this addiction or this pain is normal and you're just going to have to live with it. Where you are right now, your current state, whether how negative it may be, that's you're just stuck in that place. Well, the word of God says, no, you don't got to be stuck no more. Say that with me. I'm unstucking myself through the word. (laughs) So no matter what they say, oh, you got to live with that disease. You got to live with that chronic ailment. You know, it's passed on. It's hereditary. It goes through all these generations. Well, it stops with you and it stops with me. How? The word of God says, I can unstuck all that junk that the devil tried to throw at us. (laughs) Amen. Now, here we go. So let's get into this this morning. This is, so that's who we are. That's what we have. And I want to just show us, I want to really dig into some things this morning. In Luke chapter 12, verse 48, there's a, a phrase I'm sure you've probably seen this a lot. And I mean, a lot of people quote this, but near the end of it, it says this, that when someone has been given much, What is required? Much will be required, you know, in return. And then also says, and when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. So I want to just take some time today just to reveal to you and I what has been given and what is required. Can you say that? Let's just talk about that. I've I've received some things, and so now there's some expectations on me, right? Now, again, what has been given as, to us as born-again believers, and I'm not talking about you and I earning our salvation, earning a place with God, earning a place to be liked by God or favored by God. You've been given that because of the grace of God and what he accomplished for us. But what I am talking about is that time that you and I have been born again. Now, there's some, there's some parts on our side that we've got to accomplish, right? We've been given much, so now he says much is required. So I want to discuss what's that much. Because we know God's grace is all for us. It's all in us. He gave it to us. But now what's required of me? Are we okay with that? You understand that? So we're not talking a works-based salvation. That's not biblical, nor is that true. But there is a salvation-based work that you and I are to accomplish on this earth. Okay? We're all clear on that? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 talks about that we are his workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus unto good works. So you have been saved to do good works. Now... What has been given to us as born-again believers, as those that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the first thing that was given to you is a brand new identity. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, again, very familiar script passage to you and I, but this is, this is great. This is where it all kicks off, and you can just launch into this and have a 75-year study and still not even come to the end of it. So your 75-year study begins today. Are you ready? Day one of 75 years. It says, now, say it with me, now. If anyone is enfolded into Christ, how do you get enfolded into Christ? You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've been now grafted into the family of God. He says, now what happens when you're engrafted or grafted into this family? You have become an entirely new person. Where? Which part of you? Spirit, right? My spirit got recreated on the inside, and that's who you are. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in this physical body. So what got changed, what got born again? The spirit man, okay? Nothing may have changed in your mindset necessarily. Nothing even changed externally. Sometimes that takes place, but not automatic. So you don't don't look for anything out here. It all took place on the inside. God is an inside-working God, and he works his way out. And what happened on the inside? All that is related to the old order... 
all that Adam was, all that sin was, all that, that sickness, everything that Satan tried to bring in, all that old nature has vanished. Gone. Say it with me, gone. It's completely gone. That sin nature, that wrath nature, that God, there was, there was anger, there was wrath on me, that's completely gone. And he says, behold, look, everything is fresh and new. Woo! That's good news for us. So what does God have to do? We're in this process now. Again, our message to the world is you have to be born again so your nature changes. What do sinners do? Sin. Why? It's their nature. So now that you've been born again, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to have to let God reintroduce yourself to you. Because he re recreated everything. You're not that old sinner anymore. That's dead and gone. Never to be brought up again and said, who are you? You are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so what God wants to do is he wants to take you through his word. And he wants to show you now what he did. You know, in the Gospels, you get a physical display of what the cross was and what it looked like from a natural perspective, right? You have these witnesses. Then in the epistles or the New Testament letters from Paul, what you get is an x-ray vision of what happened in the spirit. You know, some you know, philosophers would say that, you know, the, the teachings of the Apostle Paul are the, the continuation of Jesus' teachings while he was not on this earth. We had to get born again to understand a lot of things. Jesus said, I got lots I want to say to you, but you can't understand it. Why? Because you're not born again. It would just completely change everything about, well, I, don't, I can't grasp this. You had to get reborn. And so that's why God's saying, hey, in your, this word, I'm going to reintroduce yourself to you. This is who you are in Christ Jesus. The Bible is talked about in James chapter 1. It's a mirror where you can actually behold and look in the mirror and see who you really are. It's a reflection of your new spirit man on the inside. And so we want to get that so ingrained in us that it starts to change the way that we think. So we start operating according to this new man and cut ties from the old man in our mindsets. Okay? So this new identity. So what else did he do in this new identity? Again, a couple of verses we went over. Romans 8.37, it says, Even in the midst of all these things, talking about the problems, the pressures, the troubles of this life, he says, God has made us. Say it with me, made us. I don't know about you, but that sounds like identity. Ding, 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 ding. Identity, whenever you see these words in Christ, in him, in this particular case, he's made us. Those are identity scriptures that you've got to really pay attention to because this is who you are now, regardless of how you feel, regardless of what it looks like naturally. This is who you are. So I've been made this way. How have I been made? To be more than a conqueror. So say it with me, I am more than a conqueror. Did you know that's humility? That's humility to acknowledge this. Because what is humility? Humility is acknowledging everything that is good and right because I'm in Christ Jesus. It's true. This is true. This is who I am. Well, not all the time. That's not humility. That's a lie. Now you're operating in pride. Snap. So what's best? Just start agreeing with God. This is what we got to do. What did he say? He made me to be more than a conqueror. So this is what I wake up to the morning and I put on my identity. I am more than a conqueror. When? Right now. What about tomorrow? Tomorrow too. Oh, there's a problem coming my way. I'm more than a conqueror. Okay. These are stretchy pants, so I can do that all day long. <laughs> we'll stop there. And God, <laughs> it says his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. So he did it. Man, look at the next one here. Romans 5:17. Because of one man's trespass, his lapse, his offense, death reigned through that one. Much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace. Again, how many have received God's overflowing grace? I have. Because remember, every time there's overflowing grace, it needs a response. Grace says, I've saved you. My response is, Lord Jesus, I believe it. Grace says, I've healed you. Faith's response is, I believe it. Therefore, I receive it. This is how this works. You got born again that way, so it has to stay that way in the kingdom. We'll be learning this for the next million years. Grace says, I love you. Faith's response is, I love you too. Our relationship with him is always a response. 
It's a response to what he said. It's a response to waking up in the morning. His mercies are new every morning. Thank you, Lord. It's a response. So he says, those that have received the overflowing grace and the free gift of righteousness, putting him to the right standing with himself. Now notice, what's his expectation of us? To reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So that's the expectation is that we live and operate this way. Okay, what else has he given us? Because of this new identity, I'm just listening off a couple here. There's over 130 in him verses in the New Testament. So highlight those things. Underline them, circle them, and get them and meditate on them, think on them until it changes your thinking. Woo! Then all of a sudden, rather than the Bible putting you to sleep, you're reading it at night and it keeps you up. (laughs) Okay. Now, because of this new identity, what have I experienced or what has been given to me? I've been given authority over Satan and everything he has. Why? Because of this new identity I got. Look at this, Matthew 16, 19. Again, I'm just kind of laying a foundation before we jump into some things. Jesus said this, I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. Keys represent authority. When Jesus threw the keys at us, what does that mean? Authority has been transferred. He has given to us authority in this realm to loose, to bind, and to set free. Look at this in Luke 10, 19. Again, these are some of our favorite verses. The devil hates it when we read this. Luke 10, 19, it says, Jesus said again to his disciples, talking to them after they came back, excited that they, man, the devils, we cast out devils in your name. We laid hands on the sick and they were healed. What? This is amazing. Jesus turned around and said, now you understand that I have imparted to you all of my authority To trample. And that word trample literally means to tear a strip off. This is our sound. So everything that's going on, this is the sound the enemy's hearing. He's hearing this sound. Trample. The church is waking up. This is who we are. You hear that sound? This is the sound of an awake church. Oh, yeah. Ah, So he's saying, now you understand. Now he's like, Jesus is not like, now you understand. Now he's, yeah, you get it. You see it. You understand that I've given you my authority to trample over his kingdom. Oh, it's going to be good to do that. He says, you will trample upon every demon. Say with me, every demon. What about the really, really bad ones? Every one of them. What about the scary ones? That they, boo! Every one of them. Before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Every power. So what has he got? Nothing that you can't overcome. Why? Because he gave it to you in this new identity. This is who I am. But as long as I keep seeing myself as that sinner saved by grace and I'm just no good, I just can't do things, that's how you'll live your Christian life. And Jesus paid way too high of a price for you to get your butt kicked by a stinking little devil That's trying to intimidate you through whatever it may be. He says, absolutely nothing. Can we say that? Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. Period. (laughs) Shoot, devil's time is getting shorter and shorter. So now with this reality, if this is true, which I believe it is, what is required of me? Again, not requirements in the sense I have to earn this place, I have to earn this authority, he gave it to you. It's yours. So now what am I doing is I'm learning to grow up with this authority, learning how to operate in this authority so I can see the kingdom of God advance through my life. So what do I need to do? I need to intentionally work with Holy Spirit to grow me up. This is big boy teaching we're talking about here today. Right? Okay. Why do I need to do this? Well, I need to, first of all, make a quality decision to grow up. Reason being is because I've been given this position of authority in Christ Jesus. He paid too high of a price for me to live a victorious life. If we, just enough, that right there is enough. He paid the price. I want to respect and honor the sacrifice that he purchased for me to live in this place. Also, he's called me now to work alongside him in establishing his kingdom on this earth. And like we've said, this is probably about two months ago or so now. We really discussed and talked about that until the the head, or sorry, the body lines up with the head, 
The will of the head is at a standstill until the body learns to cooperate. God is not just sovereignly pulling levers up in heaven, hoping that all this pans out. He needs a body to work through the same way the kingdom of darkness needs somebody to yield to him. And why? To get access into this earth. Spirits can't be here without a body. So what is God needing? He needs a body. His church is now who he's working through. In the Old Testament, it was the people of God, the Israelites. But that's changed now because we've accepted Jesus Christ. His sacrifice was also for the Gentiles. So what God has done, he's taken out of every kindred and tongue, people that have accepted and embraced the message of the gospel. He now uses them to now bring in the kingdom of God. But we have to cooperate with him so that his will can be accomplished on this earth. God needs people. But on the other hand, Satan needs people. So this is where we're at. It's not about you. I'm yielding my body to him. And there's no such thing as, well, I'm just doing my own thing. No such thing. You are yielding your bodily members either to him, which leads to righteousness, or to him, which leads to death. The choice, Romans 16 or 6.16, says that's up to you. He says, choose carefully, because grace has freed you to such a point. You can choose whatever you want, even as a born-again Christian. Wow. Imagine if God was making you do stuff. That's a different story. But he's not doing that because he's love. Love gives you a will. Love gives you choice. So for you and I, I don't know about you again, but I'm willingly giving my body to him, my soul to him, my being to him, so he can work through me in these last days. That's what I'm interested in. Anybody else interested in that? Okay, awesome. Now, again, talking about growing up, but we've made mention that when you sit at the table with the victorious, the conversation is different, the thinking is different, therefore the action is different. So again, what we're doing is we're taking the time to learn to sit at this table, and the wonderful thing about this table is, is that Jesus not only invites you there, but you can come with your I don't quite understand this. It's a teaching place. It's a safe place to learn. The presence of God is a safe place to learn. It's a safe place to exchange thoughts. That's where a lot of my thinking had to change. In his presence. How do you get in his presence? You spend time just opening his word because his word is him. When you spend any amount of time in this word, just start meditating, thinking on it. What happens? You've entered his presence. And Lord, can you help me with this? I'm having... I got, some, I got some thoughts on this, and the Lord will say, hey, let's, let's have this exchange. Now, there has to be a willingness to let some of my thoughts go and embrace his. That has to happen. Otherwise, the body's over here, and the head's wanting to go that direction. And so sometimes we got a bit of a decapitated head. kind of looks like this. And Jesus is trying to align his body to work together for the common good of the kingdom of God. Okay. Now, and I don't have this verse on there, but uh, Matthew chapter 11, this is what Jesus said. I am gentle and humble. I am willing to relate to you and to permit you to learn at your own rate. <laughs> now that helps all slow learners. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> slow learners. Yeah, that's, that's Jesus is like, hey, I'm willing to permit you to learn and understand at your own rate. Then he says, in fellowship with me, you will discover the meaning of your life. Oh, man. My fellowship will release you, and my companionship will direct you on your journey. So it's a good place to be. But at the same time, I don't want to just take up this spot at this victorious table with an unwillingness to grow up. It doesn't work. I have to, at the same time, give him something to work with. Are we all clear? We're good? Would it make sense? Okay, so let's talk about here growing up for a sec again. Galatians 4 verse 1. It says, I want, think of it this way, that if a father dies and leaves an inheritance to his, his young children, young children, those young children are not much better off than the slaves until when? They grow up. Even though... They actually own everything their father had. They have it all. Can you see that? They're possessors of it all. But what's the problem? They're too young. They're too little. They're not grown up yet. So that's the problem. So what's this saying? Now, again, if we just relate this to our spiritual principle, what we're talking about here. Until I grow up in my identity in Christ, I won't be able to experience all that rightfully belongs to me. It's not that God's withholding from us. It's because these young children are unaware of it. God is withholding nothing. 
Nothing. He has freely given it all. So what some of the sad news could be for us is that I'm actually hindering in my own childlike state. I'm hindering all the promises, all the blessings of God. And here's the thing. You wouldn't even realize that you're missing it. Why? Because you're just in your youngness. So unless I'm willing to sit at this table and say, grow me up. Sit here intentionally. All right, God. Hoorah. Let's go. If I don't willingly do that, I'm going to be stuck in this spiritual young state, unaware of all the blessings, all the grace that has come my way and not even tap into it. And all of a sudden you get to heaven and go, oh, that was given to me there? Are you, what? This, that, the, whoa, this is amazing. Why wait till you get up there and go, whoa, you can have it down here. So here's the call, grow up. Okay, now, the Christian life doesn't stop after accepting Jesus is Lord. That's your entrance into the door. Jesus is Lord. The door went open and you walked in. And now for a lot of time, Anybody being around somebody who's just a fresh new believer? Isn't it amazing? Whoa! Why? Everything has changed. This is amazing. This is, oh! But what happens that, that there can be a negative slant to this. You continue going on, and if you're not pursuing and continuing on in the Word, it continues. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've heard that before. I've seen that already. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. We sang that before. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. And you start to get familiarizing, or it's common. It becomes this not as sacred thing, and you just kind of hang out. And really, the Bible actually calls that backsliding. Because there's only forward motion. There's no stagnant. If you're stagnant, you're actually doing this. Okay. So, the Father expects us to grow up. Why? Three reasons. So that we can experience all that he purchased and paid for. He desires to share greater revelation and wisdom through us. That's why the Apostle Paul in Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's three levels to this. I want to experience the perfect will of God. Well, the, to the degree that my mind is renewed with his word is the degree of his, his plan for my life, his plan in general that I'll be walking in. So God, what did you call me to do? How renewed is your mind? Well, I want to know the next step. No, no, no. How renewed is your mind? Because God would love to download and give you. He's not withholding anything, but you may be too young to hear it. Because if he tells you it, you may get all caught up and go, I can't do that. Or you may be going, yeah, let's do this. I can do this. And you start doing it now. And it was for 40 years later. Like Moses. Called to deliver the people. So what did he do? I'm going to take my own. I'm going to kill an Egyptian. What? Killed him. Now he's on the run for 40 years. Too soon. So what do I need to do? I'm taking this time to renew my mind, renew my thinking. Why else do I need to take this time to do this? Because lastly, that God wants to work in and through us in advancing his church in these last days. That's what God is doing. Okay? Anybody on God's team, this is what he's doing. He's building and moving his church forward. Come on, y'all, we got to get this. Get out of the political arena for a moment here for a sec. God is building his church church. He's building his people. That's what he's doing. Why? To be part of what he's doing. Look at these verses. This goes right in hand with 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. Verse 18, it says, and God has made all things new, talking on the inside. Everything is brand new. Then he says, and he reconciled us to himself. And now notice this, and he's given us, say me, this is my ministry. What's my ministry? Reconciling others to him. He didn't give that to angels. He gave that to who? Us. Wow. What a, tr what a huge responsibility. Then go verse 19. He says, in other words, it was through the anointed one, Jesus, that God was shepherding the world. He's bringing it in, not even keeping records of their transgressions. And he has entrusted to us. Come on, say it with me. To us. To me. What have I been entrusted with? To the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. So what are you and I? We're the door openers. Here, come. This is how good our God. This is, look at him. Look what he's done. This is what he's done in my life. He'll do the same for you. Get in the door. So don't get distracted by just the political. We got to get people in the door. Get in here. Jesus is good. 
Can you see Noah? I mean, like it says in the last days, so shall, like as the days were Noah, so shall the end days be. Can you imagine Noah? Guys, there is a flood coming. Come on. Come on. Preach for 120 years. And this is our same job. He's coming. He is coming. Get in the door. We'll do everything we can to get people in this door. Get in, get in, get in, get in. Why? He's coming. He's coming. Oh, verse 20. And he says, we are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message. This is why the devil hates you so much. You carry something. We carry the message of Christ to the world. This is who we are. As though God were, now look at this, as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. God is speaking through our lips. This is why he's saying, church, I need you awake at this victorious table. You have to pray, you have to stand, but I need you through your lips now. I need to be pleading through your lips, come back to God. Come back. Everything we're seeing, come back. Come back to God. Oh, so this is the call. This is what you have to do. So we all know this and we go, yeah, I've heard that so much. Yeah, that's, we're supposed to be ambassadors of the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when you grow up, it becomes fun. It becomes exciting because you're not just doing it out of Christian obligation. You're doing it now because I'm an ambassador. It's a different mindset than just, well, I have to do this in my religious duty. I got to talk to people. No, 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 no. You get to. You are, you're, God himself is using my lips. To bring people back to God. Woo! And guess what? At the end, you get a reward for it. <laughs> Woo! First of all, there's salvation. But then honestly, the Lord said, thank you for doing what I've asked you to do. Go and enjoy the presence of the Lord. Okay. So again, at this table, I'm not just sitting here to take up space. I'm not just sitting here to go, hey, this is really cool. And do nothing with it. I want to grow up. So I have to intentionally make up decision to grow up. Look at your neighbor and say, grow up. <laughs> now really mean it. Grow up. How many of your parents ever said that to you as a kid? Grow up. I'm trying. Now. From a natural standpoint, how do we grow up? Time. How do we grow up mentally? Learning. How do we grow up spiritually? Through obedience to the word. Time does not make you a spiritual adult. That's why you can see, for example, David, when he was 17 years old, whoop a giant, when the entire nation of full-grown men were all scared of this, of this giant. What's the difference? Spiritually speaking, David had a more mature I mean, they were all spiritually dead, but he understood God from a soulish realm. He knew who he was. That's why a teenager can sometimes do a lot more. And it doesn't matter. You can be, you can be 80 years old and be 100 years old, spiritually speaking. There's no capacity to it. You can grow up, but you are in charge of growing up. Time doesn't do it for you. Showing up to church doesn't do it for you. Of course, if you're in, in the place of renewing your mind and letting the God you know, talk to you, work in you, yeah, absolutely, those are great opportunities to grow up. But if I don't intentionally look to myself and say, it's time, Joel, that you grow up, nothing is going to happen. And that's why a lot of the body of Christ is still in the babyhood stage. Still. This is how I want things to be. You're stuck. And we're trying to talk. I'm not trying to be dis, 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 degrading in any kind of way. People that come into the kingdom of God, they're spiritual babies. We welcome, great, well, that's awesome. Now we disciple and we bring you up in age. But I'm talking about you've been in the church for 35 plus years and you're still doing this. Hello. Do, do you not find in the kingdom sense that's hindering growth? That's hindering the advancement of a kingdom? I want what I want. Now let's look into this. So how, what do I begin 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. It says this, test yourselves. Not my neighbor, not my family, me. I test me to make sure that I am solid in the faith. I don't drift along taking everything for granted. I give myself regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. 
Okay, so this is all table talk. So I want you just to imagine here for a second. Can you all picture this table? We're, we're at a long table here today. Jesus at the head of the table, and he's saying, test yourselves. Jesus wouldn't say that. Oh, yes, he will. You better believe it. This came straight out of his mouth. Test yourselves, church family. Test yourselves to make sure that you are solid. Solid. Don't drift along taking everything for granted, but give yourselves regular checkups to make sure that you are in the faith. You need first-hand evidence, not mere hearsay, that you are in Christ Jesus, that you are in me, he would say. And then he would close it and say, go at it. And our response, this is grace speaking. Don't look at this and go, this is, this is condemnation. This is just an opportunity for me to see what's wrong. No, this is a grace. If there's something that's not right, do something about it. Give him access. Anything that's wrong in you or in my life, he's saying at this table, Lord, this, here's my mess. And he goes, he's, oh, wow, that really is, no, that's not what he does. He goes, okay, finally, thank you for giving me access. Now, let me show you from my word what I say about this. And what's happening, this exchange, my mess for his word, my thinking for his word, my way for his ways. Okay, Lord, I don't really like that. I don't care what you don't like. It's his word. In the kingdom of God, at this table, your opinion means nothing. Means nothing. My opinion means nothing. What matters? What is God's opinion? What does God think on this? Boom. This is what matters. And we are to align ourselves with what he said. Not denomination. What did he say? So that's why everything you hear, including this, if it doesn't line up with scripture, throw it out. Why? It's become an opinion. And opinions mean nothing. <laughs> All right. So now let's look at what the Apostle Paul said. Check up on myself. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. He says this, When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters. Why did he speak about childish matters? Because I saw things like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But then he said, the day came. Say with me, the day came. When I matured. And I set aside childish ways. Now I have with me, I don't, sorry for those that are in the back, I don't have a table here. But I brought with me just some baby toys. Okay, we're going to just, we're going to have a little, little fun here. So I want you just to see these, all these toys right here, they illustrate or they're an example of <clears throat> toys on the ground. They represent, now my attitudes, they represent childish mindsets, they represent childish attitudes. Okay, so here they all are. The question is, am I willing to put them away and take on the mind of the word? Okay, so here we all are. We just accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, or you've been a Christian for so many years, and you still got some toys hanging out. The question is, what am I going to do with them? Here's my thinking on money. Well, I kind of like it. I'll leave it there. Here's my thinking on health. Here's my thinking on relationships. And you could just go down the whole entire thing. This is what I think about this, God. This is my political views. This is what I think about abortion. This is what I think about this. And this is what I think about drugs. And this is what I think about booze. And I, I like all this. This is, here it all is. And if I'm not willing to, first of all, bring it to the table and say, God, this is where I'm at. And if he has said, hey, this needs to go. Now, you're at a choice. Oh, but I like this purple cell phone. <laughs> oh, I can talk to my friends. If I'm unwilling, here's the thing. If I'm unwilling to clean up this toys, I will be stuck in Pampers forever. And you sit at this victorious table and it makes no sense to you because you still have a diaper on. And you're going... What you guys are saying makes no sense. This doesn't, this is stupid. This is cultish. I'm out. And you see people leave regularly and all it is, it's your pampers holding you back. <laughs> so the day came when I say, I'm going to put away this childish mess. Cell phone, you got to go. Horsey, you, you got to go. Bah, you, you got to go. And it goes on and on. And you sit at this table until you, are, you sense on the inside, 
Okay, I've let, I've let some good things go right at this moment. And there may be some things that may be for a later time when you're developed enough to hear it. That, that God is very kind. He's willing to relate to you and let you grow at your own pace. But he loves you enough not to leave you here. He doesn't leave you here in this mess. So what he'll do, hey, there's this, this issue over here that we want to talk about. It's, uh, we're going to save that for a little down the road. For when you grow up at this table, then, then, then I'm going to bring it up. Why? So that you're spiritually mature. You understand on the inside what's taking place. But as long as I'm not giving myself regular checkup, I could live my entire life without even knowing this is ever here or even coming to it in my walk with the Lord. And you think, everything's fine, everything's totally great. Have you opened this up to him yet? Just throwing that out. I threw the toys out. They lie where they lie. <laughs> now, we need to go to the Word of God, and we have to ask ourselves, what does the Bible call childish? Not what we think is childish, what does the Bible say is childish? And what does the Bible say about spiritual adulting? Okay, so let's look to the word. What does the word say is childish? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians, you'll find a lot <laughs> about childish. Because this is the church that gave a lot of problems to the Apostle Paul. So thank God we have that because we needed a church to actually see. Because you may be thinking, oh, I'm not Corinthian style. You may be. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't do that kind of stuff. Yeah, let's just let the word define it for us. Are you ready? Are we all okay? I think we can talk about this at this table because the Lord is growing us up. He needs an awake church because there's a harvest coming in and he needs a church that is willing and ready to actually reap in the harvest. And it's not just, yeah, come to know Jesus. He loves you. It's more than that. It's demonstrations of the spirit. It's words of prophecy. It's all of a sudden people walk around you and they go, what is, what's, something, something's, what's going on? It's the light that you carry. It's the presence. Yeah, we know it's Jesus, but you've yielded yourself in such a way that people can't deny something's going on here. So this is something way different about this place. Something different about you. What's going on with you? Well, I carry the anointing of God everywhere I go, and I trample on the kingdom of darkness every step I take. Oh, okay. That's what we're talking about. Okay. So now let's talk about this. This is my kick my toys away. Now, it says, brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible. Now, I want you to listen. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. How did he see coming to this church? He planted the church, and then he's coming to it. And what did he say about speaking to them? I found it impossible to speak to you. The Apostle Paul. Why? As to those who are spiritually... or Sorry, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people. For you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. So there is a mindset that is on the flesh. Right? And that's really an unrenewed mind in any area of our life is a mindset of the flesh. And he says, and because you are immature infants in Christ. Now notice this. I had to nurse you and feed you with milk and not with solid food of more advanced teachings. What is Paul saying? I got steak and potatoes right here, but I can't give it to you. Why? Because you aren't ready for it. Hold on. Okay. I, you may have heard this, but guys, this is, this is huge. The apostle Paul, the one who had, other than Jesus, walked on this earth with tremendous amount of revelation knowledge from heaven. God used his writings now to be his words that would impact churches and gener Christians for generations to come till Jesus comes back. And not only that, he said, my word will never leave. So these words are set in stone forever. And the apostle Paul is saying, you're not ready for what I have for you. Meaning this, there is a tremendous amount of revelation. There is so much insight that I got for you, but guess who's hindering it? The Corinthian church was not ready to hear it. The people were not ready to hear it. He says, in fact, you are still not ready for solid food. Now, is he, whoosh, whoosh. I mean, he's, he's, he's given it to him. But remember, this is everything, every word of God comes out of a place of love. So this is not like this condemnation, this bunch of idiots. No, no, no. He's saying it from this place of deep love hunger, desire for the church to grow up. There's nothing in here that's condemning. So don't ever feel, man, I just, I, I got toys everywhere. That's okay. As long as, here's the greatest part, you recognize there's a mess. Okay, 
Okay, and if the next step is, okay, I got to check it out, Jesus. What do you think about this? And he may go, trash. Okay, okay, so now how do I think? And now you adopt a new mindset? That's a win. There's no, there's, to sit here and just go, to get all this junk and I can't clean it up. It's too hard. I, I don't know what I'm, that's not good. And nor is the Holy Spirit looking at you going, well, you sure made a mess, you idiot. How are you going to fix that? That's not the Spirit of God. That's not him. That may be your parents. That's not him. <laughs> he is gentle. He's easy to please. Right? We have to have that because this is why our foundation of who we think God is is huge when it comes to sitting at this big boy table. Because when you start sitting at this table and you think God is mean, it's going to hurt. You'll find yourself leaving. God, I just can't do this. No, but when you understand he is only good, he is only kind, then when he brings correction, he disciplines every child he loves, then you go, okay, dad, I'll do that. And it's out of this place of, I want to, I get to, rather than this, oh, God is so ticked off if I don't put away my toys. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. That's not the right state. So just stop that. And I'm preaching to myself on that, too, because I have sometimes a condemning voice in my ear that's saying, see this? You're an idiot. You see, you messed that up. You did that. You did this. You did this. Stop it. That's not him. And my wife tells me that regularly. So thank you, sweetheart. No, I mean that. She is a tremendous help to me. Verse 3. So then he said, here's all this teaching, but you're, you're not ready for solid food. For you are living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh. So he says, now, ask yourselves. Doesn't this sound like 2 Corinthians 13, 5? Yeah. Test yourselves. So now he says, ask yourselves. Now here, I'm just going to point out and highlight three things this morning because there's, there's more, but I'll just give these ones. Is there jealousy among you? Why is that? Well, here you go. That's, that's this right here. That's that. <laughs> Do you compare yourself with others? What is that? Oh, there you go. Here, Naomi, there you go. Do you compare yourself with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? Oh, shoot. That's the, that's the piggy there, Harry. If so, if so, this proves what? That you are living your lives centered on yourselves. And what is the, what is the really the, the fundamental understanding of children? Selfish. It's me, it's me, it's me, it's me. I want, I want, I want. He says, does this not prove that you are living your life centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh, and behaving, he said, like unbelievers? So really, what's the difference between the church and the world? They look the exact same. There's no difference. So he's saying now, just to reiterate, these are the three things this morning. What is childish in Jesus' eyes? Jealousy. What is jealousy? I'm going to give you a quick Greek thought on this. It says that uh, Greek word for jealousy, it implies an obsession to promote oneself at the expense of others. <laughs> Woo! Or, hey, that person got blessed? Wow. Why not me? Oh. Naomi gets a green. How come she gets a green block? I want, I want the green one. Mine's orange. Anybody seen a kid do that? But spiritually speaking, in the eyes of God, it looks no different than going, You got green, I got orange? No fair. I want it green. When blessing comes to somebody else and you go, I'm serving, I'm giving, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to, it's the exact same stink. And God goes, ooh, mm, mm, I have meat for you, but what happens? Got to tighten up that pamper. And not, not, not degrading again, he just goes, man, I can't give you more. I can't reveal more. And some of you may be crying out, God, I, I want to see, I want to see, I want to see. And meanwhile, you're stuck and going, how come they get? Look at all the stuff that they got. They get a green block. Mine's not green. Jealousy is rampant. And we're going, how come I'm not seeing any growth? Jealousy hinders growth. The next thing he said now is comparison. Actually, just wait. Before I get into this, I want to just read this, this verse to you. James 3, verse 14. 
It says, but if there is bitter jealousy or competition hiding in your heart, don't deny it and try to compensate it for it by boasting and being phony. <laughs> so what's he saying? Call it out. Not, not you call it out on somebody else. Test it out. Okay, I'm calling it out. I'm being a little bit phony here. How are you doing? Oh, praise hallelujah. God is sure good. and I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. Meanwhile, I go, I hate that person. Do you know what they got? Do you see what they get? That's phony. And you can smile, smell it a mile away. Phony with a capital F. Just kidding. PH. <laughs> Just had to lighten, your, lighten you up a little bit. Okay. I can smell. I'm really, I'm really good at it. Okay. Verse 15, James 3.15, it says, For that has nothing to do with God's heavenly wisdom, but can be best described as the wisdom of this world, both selfish and devilish. So now listen, wherever jealousy and selfishness are uncovered, you will also find many troubles and every kind of meanness. So somebody mean? I'm not, again, you may be thinking, oh yeah, that guy's a real jerk. Not test yourselves, but anytime you uncover jealousy, you'll find that's the stigma to why there's meanness in a relationship. Why are you just so mean? There's something jealousy there. And unless it's dealt with, you'll be sitting at the victorious table, unable to operate in it because you are in pampers. So what do we do? Okay, Lord, here it is. Here's, here's some jealousy. I'm, Lord, I'm a little ticked off that so-and-so got this, that somebody's got this, or, hey, this is, I, I, I should be doing something like this. I'm older. I should be doing something like this. Put it on the table and let him now, through his word, coach you, get that mindset out, and bring the word of God in. It's an exchange that takes place, right? The next thing he says is simply this, comparison, what is comparison? It's just simply looking at somebody else and going, I wish, I wish, I wish. I can never do that. I'm not as good as that. That's behaving like the world, he said. Yeah. Stop comparing because what does comparing do? It actually takes away from what God gave you. You're not supposed to be like so-and-so. You're you. Woo! And we need you. We need the God inside you and your uniqueness and who you are. We need it. But if we don't bring that even to a local church, you try to be like somebody else or try to act like somebody else, what happens is that now the church all becomes, we have to act like this. This is how leader is, so we lead like this. No, 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 no. You do you. Okay. And lastly on this part, he says, quarreling that leads to taking sides. Wow, this is a big one. And he had to talk to this in church. So what was going on in the Corinthian church, I'll just give you a quick little update on this, is that the Corinthian church, they were of this mindset, oh, yeah, well, I like, the Apo- I like Peter preaching. Well, I like Apollos. Oh, yeah, I'm a Paul man. And then, you always kind of get these in all different types of places, I'm of Christ. You get the spiritually way off kind of people that just, I do Jesus, I'm only Jesus. And it's just like, wow, it all comes from him. Yeah, but it's just, they're weird. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Find that. You read that. 1 Corinthians 3, 4. It's all in there. Well, I'm of Christ. Well, yes. Christ is all and in all. He gets all the glory, all the praise. But they were dividing themselves upon who they like preaching. Well, like him. Ah, he's a sissy. He didn't know his stuff. I like Paul. He's rough. He's tough. He kicks hell out of the way. Oh, man, Paul's too rough. I like Apollos. He brings the word of God nicely to us, and we can hear it and understand it. So Paul, in this opportunity, he had a huge opportunity basically to say to the church, hey, I started the thing. Me, your apostle, the guy who drove hell, the guy that saw the homosexual lifestyle, that saw the drinking, the drug. I saw all this, and through the grace of God, you were like this, and we got you delivered and set free in Jesus. Now you're living this life. Aren't you happy about that? He could have done that. But instead, he said, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? Who is Cephas? Peter. Aren't we all just servants of the Most High God? That is grown-up talk right there. Because he said, well, even though, yeah, hey, we, we, you know, I, I planted Apollos water, but it's God who gives the increase. The focus is continuing on him. So that's going from a, you know, just a, that was that church thing. But how much even more, just even with us, just talk about quarreling, quarreling, argumentative about everything. You know what, this, one of the sad things, honestly, about church is that people are more conscious of what you are against than what you are for. Yeah. 
We're so good at talking. I'm against this. I'm against, yeah, great. What are you for? I'm for people experiencing the goodness of Jesus Christ. That would take care of all of it. But not only said, but notice he said quarreling that leads to taking sides. So we're doing. I'm, what did you? What did they say? Oh no! What did they say? Well, I'm going. I'm going with that. And sometimes we just go. What did they say? Well, I'm taking that no matter what, huh? And I'm just jumping ship with. You don't even know the full story, and you're just no. Oh, this is what I'm doing, and that's it. Paul says, pamper. That's baby. That's spiritually immature. And so you're going, how come I'm not seeing it? Because you're just so ready to pick sides. Really, it's church gossip. Oh, what'd they say? Oh, what what did they say? Who cares? What did God say is the most important thing. And we just shut all that up because gossip kills. Absolutely destroys destroys your life. It destroys church. And more importantly, it destroys the witness of Jesus on this earth. There's no politics in this place. There's no gossip, and I'm saying gossip in this place. Oh, she said, they said, no, no, no. If you hear that, let me encourage you. You can just tell them, thank you, but no. I want to take my pampers off. I don't want to listen to that trash. And just thank God that you're growing up. So every time, it's not like, what, every time that we pass one of these tests, another notch goes on the belt. Ka-ching, 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 ka-ching. And all of a sudden, we're sitting at this table. We went from size one to size two to size three to size four to size five to size six. How big did they get? Six? Six. And all of a sudden, I got pull-ups on. Training pull-ups. Nighttime pull-ups. Daytime pull-ups. They come off. Fruit of the loom underwear. Hold on. Hold on. Don't stop there. Fruit of the Loom is cheap. <laughs> Don't go there, man. We're all of a sudden, we're going to like $35 pair of boxers. And now we're, now we're talking spiritual authority. We're talking about some beneath, y'all. That's some free advertising you for beneath, so I would like a free pair. That's what I'm talking about. And now you find yourself free and not tangled with all the junk at these other little places. Why? You're too high than to start talking about some of this trash. Why? I sit at the victorious table. Why would somebody at the general's table want to go, oh, yeah, what are they saying? Wait, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. You know, Babe Ruth, I'm just throwing him in here for a second. He used to say that the, the loudest mouths were in the cheapest seats. They would curse him, yell at him. You loser, you bum. Well, you know, you got a $2 seat, so you can just shut up. That's where you and I need to get out of these cheap seats Start operating from this place. And when a cheap seat talks, thanks, God bless you. And you move on, unflinched, forget about it. Why? Because you're operating at a higher place and Jesus wants to use your lips to bring people into the kingdom of God. That's what we're here for. That's what I'm going to be rewarded for. So if people, listen, there's some people, not here obviously, other places, that want to stay in their diaper. If they want to stay and not clean this up, there's nothing you can, listen, there's nothing you can do to make them clean it up. You can't do it for them. It's their responsibility to learn to sit at this table. And if they're unwilling, the Bible actually talks about leave them. Love them from way over here. (laughs) And that's why people are stuck. Now, in closing... Because I have one, two minutes. Look at this. So how do I just finish this off? 1 Corinthians 13, look at here, verse 4 through 8. What does spiritual adulting look like? And you tie this in with the love chapter. Love is the highest form of living there is. So he says love is large and incredibly patient. So I want you, just now picture this, this you're at this table now. And now King Jesus at the head, and he's talking to us as his army in this earth. No more, we're not here anymore, we're sitting here. He says, hey y'all, love, me, you, it's in you, is large and incredibly patient. You are gentle and you are consistently kind to all. (laughs) Yes, sir. It refuses, I refuse to be jealous, there it is, when blessings come to somebody else. You got the green one? Praise God. I'm believing for a green one too. Join me. Hook up with me, will you? Ah, spiritual adulting. Ding, ding, ding. We just want something. Love. I do not brag about my own achievements, 
nor do I inflate my own importance. Love, verse 5, I do not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor do I selfishly seek my own honor. I am not easily irritated. Let's say that one together. I am not easily irritated. <laughs> Praise hallelujah. <laughs> or, now notice this one, or quick to take an offense. So if you're looking, well, I'm quick to take an offense. Bring it to the table. Jesus, oh man, this person said this and it... This person, God. But here's the table. This person said this. But Lord, help me. I'm choosing. I want to grow up. So here it is. Now, what do I do? Okay, I'm going to clothe myself with your goodness. Clothe myself. You've forgiven me of much. I can forgive. Okay. And what has happened? Another notch on the belt just went up. We just up to size. Love is not irritated or quick to take offense. Verse 6. Now notice this. Love joyfully. I joyfully. Where it says love, you can say I. I. I joyfully celebrate honesty. Honesty. And I have no delight in what is wrong. Hmm. Verse 7. I am a safe place of shelter. What does that mean? It's a covering. What religion does, religion likes to accuse and expose. John chapter 8, they caught her in the act of adultery. What did religion do? Threw her right in the middle. Look at her. She was caught in doing this. What do you say? Religion sucks. Throw them out there and expose and embarrass you to no end. Love is a safe place. What does it do? Man, if that was that woman, like, I mean, obviously we saw love in perfect form, but if I could just bring it down to you, love would jump out into the thing and cover her right up. Take off the clothes. I'm going to cover you up. That's not what this is about. That's what it would do. Why? It never stops believing the best for others. I never take failure as defeat. Why? I sit at that table. I cannot lose. Sure, sometimes I stumble, but guess what? doesn't change my location. So what do I do? Oh, enemy, don't laugh at me. I may fall six times, but I will get up seven. I never take failures or defeat, and I never give up. Say with me, I never give up. Why? Because I'm a spiritual adult. Verse 8, and it says this to close it. Love never stops loving. Other translations say love never fails. It doesn't know how to lose. So this right here is Basically, in four verses, you see the entire nature and character of God. Why doesn't God fail? Because he is love. Love doesn't know how to fail. And love is so important. Love is what makes faith work. And this is the victorious key that overcomes the world, our faith. You can talk about faith all day long, but if your love walk is not there, faith is dormant. You can talk to mountains all day long, and the mountains will go, huh? Come again? Can't hear you. Uh, no comprende. And you're just... So what happens to your life? It just stays dormant. That, those problems, those issues, those circumstances just stay the same way. You go, that didn't work, so you're going to... Meanwhile, your mountain is just... I have no idea what you're telling me to do. Oh, I'm patient and I'm kind. Now your mountain goes, oh, shoot, okay. Out of it goes. Why? Because I'm operating and flowing in love. And where the love of God is, man, faith is flowing. So I'm done. But can we just this morning, can we just, Lord, I want to be the spiritual adult. Uh, Lord, Father, we just commit ourselves to you. All those things we just read in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Jesus, that's you. That's who you are to us. But Father, we don't want to just to stop there. As we sit at this table, we want these verses to be who we are as well. It's our identity. It's who we are. We are patient. We are kind. We are a safe place of shelter. That's who we are. Because Father, 
we want to grow at this table and live the overcoming life that you've called us to live, but also to be that doorway and that help for people to get through this door. Jesus, we honor you. We love you with our lives. May every day continually be mindful of, Father, we live this day to glorify your name. Let everything we say, let everything we do, do it to honor you. Do it to make Jesus look so good because he is truly worthy of everything. Father, we ask for your forgiveness in all these areas where we may have left our toys out and just continue to leave them out and unwilling to change. Father, this morning, we are willing to make the change and to put some of these toys away because we want to grow up with you. Thank you, Lord. You know, can we just say this together? Just as our prayer to our Father. Heavenly Father, we come to you. In our King, in our Savior's name, Jesus. Thank you for this seat. And all that you've given me. I believe this power that raised Jesus from the dead is living mightily in me. And Father, today, I make a decision to grow up, to see what's required of me, and let go of some of these childish ways so I can take on your ways. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace to grow me up in Jesus' mighty name. Help me with that, Lord. Thank you.